never say that. Goonies never say die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and this week we're talking about Mortal Kombat and across two movies with all of the heart-ripping, spine-rending decapitation. Somehow, the most unrealistic thing is that Christopher Lambert is a Chinese god of thunder. We address that later on. You have to laugh like him. (laughs) But I can play anything. I am Christopher Lambert. (laughs) I am immortal. (laughs) Yes, this week we are. I've actually been looking forward to this. We are doing Mortal Kombat from the old 1995 uh, theater version and the 2021 remake of of the same movie. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. I I think this is another one of those weird deep dives that I did on the uh, on the trivia and stuff this week. Nice, because uh, yeah, this this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And if you're looking for things that are near and dear to your heart, especially if you are a geek, and if you're not, you're probably not listening to the show. You can find such things on Geek Life Radio. You can find us on Saturdays at noon. You can also find all things Transformers. The Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, HTML All the Things, and Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. Mortal Kombat! I'll allow it. I'm good with that. Yeah, so if uh, you're looking for more of this... You can find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and we are also on Amazon Podcasts. We are all over the freaking place. If you cannot find us, then you don't know how to use the internet. You know, since he sounded like Barney from The Simpsons saying Mortal Kombat, I have like all the Simpsons characters fighting as Mortal Kombat characters in my head now. Nice. What would, who, who would Homer be? Homer would obviously be Sub-Zero, but his power would be, instead of freezing things, he shoots subs out of his hands. <laughs> oh, I see. He's got uh, like a belch attack. <laughs> Sub-Zero. Oh, I hate oh, to oh, tell oh. you, but they eventually came up with the belch attack character. That doesn't surprise me. I do uh, have a couple of Mortal Kombats in there somewhere. It, is yeah. that the one that the dude, uh, my friend Brian on Twitter, talked about that puked on people? Yep. No, that was me. Oh, that was you that mentioned that? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, well, he was in there somewhere. No, it was yeah. him that puked on people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time. But yeah, if uh, also you'd like to give us a call and let us know who your favorite Mortal Kombat character is, ring us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And uh, if you'd like to get into the chat, we are on Discord with a rather lively conversation uh, continually going on with all of our listeners across the globe. Uh, just go on to Facebook and click Contact Us, and it'll take you right to the Discord link, and you can join the conversation. We'd love yes, to have I, you. I, I'm pretty much, if I'm awake, I'm literally always in the Discord channel. 100% right here, too. It's yeah, true. Me, too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think things are going smoothly, so before we fuck it up, it's about that time. Totally is. This week in... Music, movies, and TV. 
and sports. <laughs> That's so evil. All right, so this week we are going with August 18th, 1995, the release of the original Mortal Kombat movie. Not to be confused with Mortal Monday, which was the release of the video games on all the different systems. Huh, I'm already learning stuff. You didn't know about that? No. Yeah. And you weren't paying attention when we did the fighting game show, because I, I went into Mortal Monday at length. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> Joel's flip-flopping. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. All right, so uh, music. The number one song in the land was Waterfalls by TLC. A song which has grown on me more and more as the decades go by. Hey, guys. Don't go chasing the waterfalls. <laughs> Nobody says that. Nobody says. Are you are you just quoting TLC songs? Who who who's told TLC? <laughs> I don't want no scrubs. That one has not grown on me. Oh, no. oh after Weezer did it, no. A little. No, we we went over this when we did that show as well. Yeah, yeah. Do not like that song. Hey, hey, Chief, how's your day going? Oh, you know, my son told me he was gay this morning, so that's how it is. I gotta rewatch that, man. So the uh, Macarena single was released by Los Del Rio on August fifteenth. Mm. I did the Macarena at, at uh, Disney World. He says with no pride whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah, I know Patrick hates the Macarena, but like I can't bring myself to hate it. It's just another dumb line dance. Like I, I put it in the same category approximately as electric slide or the cha-cha slide and i hate all those too yeah I, yes at least he's consistent cha-cha slide can eat a dick i hate things that suck uh never mind uh moving Thank on you. so Irby Bowser, no, not that Irby Bowser, was an American blues pianist and singer who grew up in a musical family, joining the North Carolina Cotton Pickers Review in his teens and touring Texas before enlisting in 1942. He was a member of the Special Services Band and played USO shows. Around 1949, he married and moved to Odessa, Texas, where he formed a musical partnership with guitarist T.D. Bell, and the pair performed regularly in and around Austin through the 1960s and 70s. Bowser incorporated Big Band, Barrel House, and Southern Boogie Woogie into a very distinctive sound. Bowser died of cancer on August 16th. Absorbed. Yeah. What is Barrel House? I don't know. I don't know either. I was going to say, Patrick, do you know? You you wrote it. Well. But I did, I have to make the comment uh, real quick that... um, the strange name Irby Bowser. There literally was a second Irby Bowser when I did a search for this, who was uh, convicted for murdering his wife in 2013. So, what? How how could there be two Irby Bowsers? That's a, with a grenade. Yeah, yeah. The, the murderer, not the musician. So, Barrel House may refer to a juke joint, a bar, or saloon. Originates from the storage of barrels of alcohol. And it is also an early form of jazz with wild improvised piano and an accented two beat rhythm. I like bet the they're probably woogie. going for the second definition there. Yeah, I just like the first one too. Yeah. Well, all right then. All right. So he didn't play like a warehouse style. 
<laughs> Boy, you play like a warehouse. <laughs> what? Big. Empty. Big and empty. <laughs> Some of the pilots somewhere are like, oh, it's a good idea for a song. Moving on. Robert Louis Bobby DeBarge Jr. was an American singer and musician. DeBarge was a lead singer of Switch and was both mentor and a co-producer of his siblings band DeBarge, eventually joining them to fill in the departing members L and Bunny. Personal problems, including substance abuse, plagued DeBarge in his later years, taking focus away from his musical career. He contracted HIV in the 1980s and died of AIDS complications on August 16th at the age of 39. Yikes. Absorbed, sadly. Yeah, I was actually a fan of DeBarge, the band. Bunny DeBarge? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Bunny, uh, I think Bunny was the girl. Yeah. And we all know I hope Bunny was the girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ederlene DeBarge is her real name. Okay. Yeah, she was the lone female sibling. So, yeah, she was not only the girl in DeBarge, she was the only girl in DeBarge. And like every other Ederlene, you know, her nickname is Bunny. Right. That's just what it's short for. Yeah, totally. Right. Just like uh, how Pat is short for Noriyuki. <laughs> Isn't that right, Noriyuki? <laughs> Damn it, you found my true name. See, some people are very confused, and other people have watched The Karate Kid. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Dua Lipa, born August 22nd, is an English singer and songwriter. After working as a model, she released her eponymous debut in 2017. The album peaked at number three and yielded eight singles, including Be The One. Uh, Is that the acronym of the week, Patrick? No. It's just a song title. I-D-G-A-F. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I-D-G-A-F, yeah. And the UK number one single, New Rules. The album has achieved platinum status worldwide. I'm a fan. Like, not a huge fan, but, like, I like everything that's come across my radar from her. It doesn't yeah, hurt that she's good Nothing has really been horrible that I've heard from her. Mm-hmm. Like, probably, I if it's one of those, like, I only paid attention because she's exceptionally attractive, but I... It's not like I feel like I have to turn the sound off. Like, I'm happy with the music. Yeah. Dua Lipa. Yeah, I forget where I first encountered her. It was some award show or maybe a, uh, like, New Year's Eve deal. She did a Hot Ones. I'm pretty sure I knew who she was before she did the Hot Ones, though. I think she might have been uh, like a New Year's Eve celebration that we happened to have on the TV one year. Yeah, that's how I found out about her was Hot Ones. Gotcha. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was, of course, Mortal Kombat, which knocked off Michelle Pfeiffer's Dangerous Minds. You know, for a brief moment in reading this, I confused Dangerous Minds with Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> Coolio did the soundtrack for both, so I could see how <laughs> you'd mix that up. They were both about inner city youth. <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer's on dangerous ground. Just the idea of Coolio with a powdered wig all twisted up. <laughs> <laughs> and gang battles in, Vic- in Victorian style. And Glenn yeah. Close is like, I don't know what's going on. 
All right. Leslie Marie Graves was an American actress and model. She started her career with the Broadway play A Cry of Players, written by William Gibson, and then TV, including Sesame Street, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and Here We Go Again. After some time working, a time away working on a shrimp boat, Graves' return to Hollywood in early 1980 was marked by some nude photo shoots and small roles in two exploitation flicks, Piranha 2, The Spawning, and Death Wish 2. In 1982, CBS cast her in the role of Brenda Clegg in the daytime soap Capital. In late summer 1984, however, she left the show due to a serious drug problem and a heroin overdose, but her departure was reported as stress-related. She died on August 23rd of an overdose. Out. And that's a real thing. She left Hollywood uh, to move away with a boyfriend, and apparently uh, he ended up owning a shrimp boat, and she was working on the shrimp boat when she finally just said, no, I'm out of here, and I'm going to go try to return to Hollywood. Shrimp gumbo, <laughs> heroin, shrimp, shrimp cocaine. <laughs> none of, there's not enough heroin and shrimping. <laughs> I just I – just, I just see her in like on Sesame Street standing like, I'm done with this. I'm going to a shrimp boat. <laughs> well, I can, yeah. I can to say nobody thought he'd say that. <laughs> bye bye. All right. So TV, the top. Hold on. Of- hold on. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right past not only a bullet point, but the acronym of the week. Oh, my that. God. Oh, I'm so okay, sorry. So movies released this week, including Mortal Kombat, The Babysitter's Club. Beyond Crab Rangoon, wait, I may have added a word there, Beyond Rangoon, and the acronym of the week, T-A-P-A, which I'm pretty sure just stands for Testicle and Penis Adventure. I often to go classic childish for this. No, that is the Amazing Panda Adventure. That was pretty close. You, were, you, were, you got one out of the four, which is closer than you normally get. Truth. Now it's you, Mike. I'm going shrimping. I know, but I have bourbon in my sinuses. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Top shows in the land were ER, Seinfeld, Friends, and Caroline in the City. Do any of those need to be remade? Uh, Well, ER is still on. It is? Really? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just <laughs> Grey's Anatomy and ER, same thing. Who cares? I, I was like, yeah. yeah, that's true. There are so many of those uh hospital procedurals. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Seinfeld so- does not need to be remade, friends. No. Carolina in the City for a de- totally different reason does not need to be remade. Well, it's still Kathy the comic, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> Pretty much. No. No. All right, so nearly seven years to the day it debuted on August 17th, the groundbreaking Yo! MTV Raps ended an era with a two-part finale. The first half was partly was a party hosted by Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, and T-Money, attended by many MCs featuring interviews. The final ended with a iconic freestyle rap featuring Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, Redman, Method Man, Large Professor, Special Ed, Craig Mack, Rakim, KRS-One, Eric Sermon, Chub Rock, and MC Search. That is a hell of a lineup. That is. I, I am not a rap fan, but I want to see that. It's, it's available on, on the internet. You can do an easy search for it. I think I will. 
Yeah. Not now, but like soon. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Also, John Cameron Swayze was an American news commentator and game show panelist during the 1940s and 1950s. He later became best known for a product spokesman, being the voice behind the famous Timex slogan, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. I don't know if he actually said it that way. That's a porn. Ticking. Swayze died on August 15th in Florida from explosions. What? What? Explosions? What, did Irby Bowser get to him? <laughs> it all circles back. <laughs> all right, moving on to sports. Mickey Mantle, American Baseball Hall of Fame outfielder considered to be one of MLB's greatest ever players, died of liver cancer at 63 this week. One of the few Triple Crown winners ever, he was a 20-time All-Star and appeared in 12 World Series, winning seven of them. You guys know who Mickey Mantle is, right? I don't. Yes. Either. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little short actor. Did a lot of like musicals and dance. Yeah. Stuff. He was like Jiminy Crickets. That's what he said when he hit the home runs, right? Jiminy Willikers. <laughs> oh wow. And lastly, no. on August 19th, Mike Tyson returned to the ring after serving three years in prison to face the 60-1 to underdog Peter McNeely. The fight lasted 89 seconds and cost me $100. Ludicrous. I mean, if you're that dude, the first sign that you shouldn't be fighting Mike Tyson is that your name is Peter McNeely. <laughs> right? <laughs> he looked like a deer in the headlights when the bell rang. The look in Tyson's eyes, like he he almost, I think he almost insta pooped as soon as the fight started. <laughs> insta pooped. <laughs> insta pooped is a great word. I, it's high concept. Like if Mike Tyson's coming after me angry, I'm gonna insta poop. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I was work. I was working at. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I was working at Pete Sports Bar at that point, and I put a I put a bet in with a bookie. Because when I found out it was sixty to one, I was like, "Screw it! I, a chance, for a hundred bucks, I got a chance of six thousand dollars." Mike Tyson's been away for three years. Who knows? Maybe he's lost his edge. And as soon as he came out, I'm like, "Well, I just lost a hundred dollars before the fight even started." Did you insta poop? The look in his eyes. I was like, "Yep, yeah, he did not lose his edge. I'm done." <laughs> and he ate him in eighty nine <laughs> seconds. Eighty nine, and across the world, everybody went. I paid how much for this? That almost is, surely is what happened. People in the bar were bitching that it was over so fast. I mean, you're fighting Mike Tyson. What do you expect? Yeah, the guy's been in three years, three years thinking about the next time he gets to fight somebody. Do you really want to be that guy? <laughs> no. I mean, he got paid something like, like uh, I think, four million, three and a half million, something like that. Yeah, for four million dollars, I'd let Tyson punch me. Wouldn't even take eighty nine seconds. Yeah, I'd jump and say you'd let him punch you once. I don't know if you'd let him punch you for a minute and a half. It wouldn't take a minute and a half. I'd insta poop and go <laughs> down. In order, in order for you to get the four million, you have to last a little bit. Can I run around like Zoidberg? <laughs> 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 
I might be able to do that for 89 seconds. Essentially what happened was he earned $4 million for a lifetime of training to get to the point to be able to fight Mike Tyson before you get destroyed and you never get to walk again. That's fair. I like walking, though, so. Yeah. And I don't want to insta-poop and not know it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to have to poop into a bag for the rest of your life. <laughs> hmm. See, ever since I fought Mike Tyson, I put food in my mouth and it just instantly comes up my butt. <laughs> I itch to poop now. I think it's time for where's to go. Play us off, keyboard Joel. Na 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 na. All right. So back in 1995, a movie was released, and people said, "Hey." We kind of see that people are digging these video games, and there's like stories and plot lines. God, we should that make was a movie. Twenty-five years ago, Jesus, right? You couldn't tell by the special effects. Well, I could originally tell by the math. <laughs> That's my twenty-five years from me and uh, me and Susie this year. Oh, I, I, I actually like to make her feel worse about it by going, "It's a you've been with me for a quarter of a century." The warranty has expired. Um, so Mortal Kombat uh, premiered in August 18th, 1995. Mixed reviews. Uh, a lot of people praised and said, oh, you know, martial arts sequences were great. The atmosphere, the whole uh, you know, feel of the movie was great. But uh, the words, not so good. But it also was a commercial success, grossing $122 million on an $18 million budget. Uh, it eventually led into the television series Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm and Mortal Kombat Conquest, uh, which d- aired on USA Network's Extreme Team Animation Block in 1996. It was kind of like a sequel with uh, Liu Kang, Katana, Sub-Zero, and Sonya Blade, Jax, and uh, Curtis Stryker and Nightwolf, because I know everybody loves Nightwolf. Uh, Conquest served as a prequel centered on the great Kung Lao, accompanied by original characters Ciro and Taja. It aired in syndication from 1998 to 1999. Both series uh, received negative reviews and were canceled after one season. So the other I don't thing, remember that at all. I don't either. No? No, neither of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was awful. Casper Van Dien was actually uh, Johnny Cage in one of those because Casper Van Dien. What hasn't succeeded with Casper Van Dien? I know he's he's gold. You add him and you're like, hey, no way we can't fail. Are you the white Mario Van Peebles? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also the score, the instrumental score. Uh, was released to accompany the Mortal Kombat film. It was composed by George S. Clinton, not to be confused with George Clinton. Uh, George S. Clinton actually did a lot of the orchestral score of um, Austin Powers. That's where he uh, he was kind of known for. They did get some guitar work provided by Buckethead, which is kind of crazy. And Mortal Kombat, the album, is a soundtrack album that had a track for every single character for the original game. It was made by the Immortals, uh, by Praga Khan and Oliver Adams, who were <laughs> what? Praga don't, Khan. Don't. Praga Khan. Damn it. If Joel hadn't done it, I would have. I am not the one who made up the name. Praga Khan and Oliver Adams, who were part of Lords of Acid, the techno uh, 
techno band. So this was directed by then known as Paul Anderson, and eventually he added uh, added the uh, WS. So Paul W.S. Anderson, eventually known for the Mortal, uh, not Mortal Kombat, well, yeah, that too, but uh, Resident Evil movies. Yep. Uh, writing credits go to Ed Boon, John Tobias, and Kevin Droney, which beside having an awful name... Uh, he was a writer for things like Jake and the Fat Man, Hunter, and Highlander, the TV series. That makes him qualified. Yeah. 100%. I like the way you put those together. So it was Jake and the Fat Man, Hunter. Like it was a dude <laughs> who just hunted Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> just a guy who's like, oh, man, look how big that dude is. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting the Fat Man first. But actually, you, sh- you get Jake first because it's not like you're going to have to do the Fat Man on the run. Oh, I thought it was Jake and the Fat Man Hunter. Like it was- yeah, that's oh, what I thought. Yeah, I see. see? All right. You're, so- you're saying it's a guy who's just specifically hunting Jake and the Fat Man. Right. Yeah, that was where I was going with it. Fred yeah. Dreyer and Joe Penny out trying to, you know, murder Louis Anderson or something. <laughs> no? No, I I'm, I can't say no because in my head it's incredibly entertaining. So a crossover this- with Sledgehammer? <laughs> Jeez. All right. So this stars A1 Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden. Robin Shaw as Liu Kang, Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage, Carrie Hiroki Tagawa as Shang Tsung, Bridget Wilson Sampras as Sonya Blade, Talisa Soto as Kitana, Trevor Goddard as Kano, Chris Casamata as Scorpion, and Francois Petit as Sub Zero. Also known as Tiny Frank. <laughs> Tiny Frank, yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. Well, Tiny Frank was actually the highest ranked martial artist in the entire movie. With a name like that, you have to be. Yeah. It's like and a boy named Sue sort of situation. Yeah, pretty much. He's he's also known for, besides Mortal Kombat, uh, something called Guns and Lipstick, First Strike, and something called Swishbucklers. And I don't know if I want to know what this involves because there's... Will that, will that be included in the pirate movie show? That Maybe. There's just a picture of a pig in, like... <laughs> I'm in, confused. Like, I don't know if that it, makes me want to see it more or less. <laughs> it's it's Swishbucklers, a gay martial arts action comedy. Oh. Interesting. More. I don't oh, understand I, about the pig. I don't, and, I don't know if any of this information has made me want to see it more or less. <laughs> I don't know where to, where to go with any of this. So uh, some trivia on this. Uh, Cameron Diaz, who currently holds the honor of being the most controversial show we have ever done, <laughs> uh, was originally cast as Sonya Blade, but dropped out due to a wrist injury and was replaced by Bridget Wilson. Huh, that convenient wrist injury. Right. But Bridget Wilson was had just finished up doing Pete Sampras. Uh, no, not Pete Sampras. Uh well, she did. I don't think she had met him yet. Uh I, I lost the name. It's the guy who has to go back to grade school. Billy Madison. Billy Madison. They had just finished Adam up Sandler. doing yeah, an Adam Sandler movie. They just like just finished wrapping up Billy Madison and she's like, oh, All right, cool and she flew out to do Mortal Kombat like so the next day. Oh hot. Want to touch the hiney? <laughs> That was Joel doing Johnny Cage. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jean-Claude Van Damme turned down the role of Johnny Cage to do Street Fighter. Whoops. Yeah, good choice, dude. Uh, the character in the games were allegedly originally based on him, and he didn't pick it up, which, dude, really? Yeah, it would have been made so much more sense if he had gone with this role instead of the Street Fighter role where he's playing an American with a Brazilian accent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
So uh, Bridget Wilson performed all her own stunts, refusing to use a double, including all the fight scenes. She dislocated her shoulder during one scene, but they were able to fix it on set without any other problems. So good for her. Yeah, Cameron Diaz hurts her wrist, and I'm out. Yeah. Oh, my wrist. All right, so the music. The producers were rejected by both Sony and Virgin Records for producing the film soundtrack. Apparently, the producers wanted to use uh, electronic dance music, EDM, whereas the record companies insisted on using Van Halen and Janet Jackson. Producers eventually went with TVT Records, a small record company at the time, and the soundtrack became the first platinum EDM record ever. It's a good soundtrack. It really is. Although we missed the opportunity to watch Sub-Zero kick ass to Rhythm Nation. Might as well jump. <laughs> Go ahead and jump. Yeah, that's that's a horrible decision because yeah. the soundtrack, as is, is so good. All right, so. Sub-Zero. <laughs> Sub-Zero. I do the splits for Sub-Zero. <laughs> I mean, I'm hot for Sonya. <laughs> I mean, if they ha- if they had done that, could you imagine they probably would have like shoehorned in uh, David Lee Roth as a fighter? Oh well, yeah, one hundred percent, they would have. They could have used Ice Cream Man for Sub Zero, like when he comes out. I'm the Ice Cream Man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Get over here. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> I love it. That's the stupidest thing. Why am I laughing at it? <laughs> All right. Every, every time he wins, he just passes out drumsticks to the audience. Because he's the ice cream man. Stop it, Lana. Pass him by. Get over here. All right. So I know that there is a little bit of kind of controversy over having Christopher Lambert as a Asian character. A little bit. But, but director Paul W.S. Anderson credits Christopher Lambert for smoothing over his first job on a big movie. Lambert, a veteran of several Hollywood blockbusters, never got overwhelmed by the large scale of the production, and his laid-back attitude positively influenced the other less experienced people on the set. Even Ed Boon, co-creator of the original video game, admitted that Lambert did a great job, despite not being Asian like the character's depiction in the game. Since Lambert was the most expensive actor on set, the production could only afford for him for a few weeks of close-ups in an L.A. studio. A stand-in was planned to be used for the wide shots filmed in Thailand. However, Lambert believed that the movie would be better if it was him all the time, so he came with Thailand came to Thailand, that's rough, with them for no extra charge, uh, no doubt to the chagrin of his agent and managers, and he even paid for the rap party after the show, after the uh, movie was done. Huh. What a good guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's nice a guy. pretty baller move on yeah. his part. Yep. Like Maybe back people, the wrong some horse. Some people could show up and be and, and be the the big dog like that and totally just shit on everything and make everything worse. Uh-huh. Yeah, Each but apparently, yeah. In the in the stuff that I show that I watched, it was always like he was like, "Don't worry about it. It's cool. <laughs> it's fine. Just relax." And he like he like was the uh, leveling rod for everybody and calmed everybody down. A couple of other weird stuff was like when they were filming in Thailand. Apparently, they had. They filmed on this island that had no bathrooms, and they had to like randomly create a porta potty. It's like my worst nightmare. And they tried. They tried. I, I heard that story too. And they tried to bring two of them in, and Christopher Lambert said, "No, no, no. There, there could be only one." <sighs> oh my god! Shit over here! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I hate Damn you, it. but I love you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. So, question. Is this the first viewing for any of us? I think most of us saw this together. I was going to say, you could have asked me one day after this came out if it was the first viewing, and the answer would still have been no. I saw this three times opening weekend. Yeah. I took my then uh, 12-year-old brother to go see this with his buddy and scored some cool brother points with him for that. Yeah, I, I this was definitely not my first viewing. And I, I think you're right. I think we did see it together. I'm yeah, I think sure the first time I saw, I saw was, this was with you yeah. guys. Uh, we watched it on cable or something together. On cable? You didn't go sure. with us either of the... Because I know I went with two separate groups of you guys. And then I'm like my sure brother I never and dad and I went. Yeah. Huh. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure I did. Because like I said, I was working at Phil's at that point. So mo- most weekends I was already working. Mm. Wait, so... Because I thought we were still in the dorms when this hit. 1995? Oh, no. I guess that's not right. Yep. 93, 94, 95. Yeah, this would have been apartment years. Yeah. And August 95, I would have still been at home coming back to move into uh, the new dorms that year. No, we were in dorms. Because I I started freshman year was 1993. Correct. Yeah. For Joel and I. And I was on uh, Lindemann from 93 to 94 and then on the K from 94 to 95. Yeah. And then moved to the apartment after that. That's when that's when the college foolishly put me in charge of a floor. Yeah, this, this might have been just before the apartment, like by weeks or a month. Probably. But either way, this movie is awful. It has terrible writing. The dialogue is janky. The scenes skip from place to place with absolutely no logic or reason. But I love it. Yeah, I mean, in general, like video game adaptations have historically not been good. This follows that trend, but just by virtue of like not having much competition, it still ends up in probably like the top 10% of all video game adaptations. Uh, I think this just proves the point that video game storytelling and movie storytelling are not the same thing. That's almost certainly true. Yeah, because it's really hard to translate what they were, what they do in the game, to make sense in this world that they're trying to create. I don't know. I, I, I well, all did the not dialogue in this movie is expository, mm-hmm. like almost almost a hundred percent of it. It's all about seeing the fighting. Yeah, no, it, it. I mean, this movie is is expository dialogue and fight scenes, and that's that's like ninety percent of your movie right there. And the rest of it is is the soundtrack and questionable CGI questionable at the, at the time it was pretty decent yeah it didn't hold up as well no but i mean just like the um the video game where the character's backstory is less than a paragraph i mean they don't bother spending any time creating backstory for any of these characters so i mean it, it it's in that aspect it's it's very glaring the difference between you know video game storytelling and and movie storytelling because they don't bother giving these characters any kind of any kind of depth they're all just straight up like one dimension well yep. but at at the time this movie came out the the world wasn't as deep as it is now because the more games have come out the more i think they probably expanded on the characters, right? Yeah, I mean that's true. It's it's still not like great storytelling, but it's for yeah. for video game lore. Mortal Mortal Kombat has built upon itself multiple multiple times, and that's uh, certainly true. Yeah, I mean they they've for a video game they've got a great storyline going, except for the DC versus Mortal Kombat video game that was pretty awful. 
Yeah, but without DC versus Mortal Kombat, you don't get the Injustice games. Yeah, that's true. And I, I will give, even though they've done some interesting things with the franchise, I will give Nether Realms uh, a lot of. I think that was Nether Realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them a lot of slack. Now, I don't know. Some char- I was going to say some characters that we have seen before in this, uh, specifically uh, Lyndon Ashby. Uh, we saw him in the uh, Teen Wolf show. He was the sheriff in uh, Sheriff Noah Stolinsky in the TV show of uh, Teen Wolf that we watched oh. probably two years ago. And Gosh. he's done the voice of Johnny Cage for like every movie and video game since. So good on him. <laughs> I like Paul Anderson. I mean, I enjoy the Resident Evil franchise. I thought the first Alien vs. Predator was decent. He's married to Milo Jovovich. I think they're still married. Uh, I mean, he did the best with what he had, I guess, ultimately. And I think everybody was in it to see the fighting and the fatalities. And since they kind of skimped on the fatalities because they were trying to reach a broader market, I think, it kind of suffered because of that. Mm-hmm. I guess that's fair. Like, I, I don't know. I'm still with Mike. It's like I, any criticisms you level at it are probably right, but also kind of missing the point. Yeah. I will give him this credit is that after he did Mortal Kombat, he took this and went into 1997 and did uh, Event Horizon. Well, that's probably uh... one of my favorite haunted house and space movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> one of very few. It's a very small niche kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a it's it's a fun movie. I think it, it the the thing that drug it down and also made it gave it its popularity was the fact that it was PG thirteen. That's fair. No, because in nineteen ninety five, everyone's like, "Oh, only kids play video games. We better better make this PG thirteen so the kids can come see it." And yeah, the kids came and saw it, and they were like, "Yeah, that was a lot of fun. There were some cool fighting sequences, but it wasn't Mortal Kombat." Now, when we get into the then, I mean, for the now, uh, in the next segment, all those kids that went to go see this in the theater back then are now all grown up, and they know what to expect. I enjoyed it. It's fun. It's cheesy. Johnny Cage is a huge douchebag in this, and I love it. The uh, fight with him and Scorp- Scorpion? Yeah, it's him and Scorpion. Yeah, in the woods. Not, not even, no, 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 not the woods, where he's fighting him in the uh, the world of ladders or whatever the hell it is. Oh, Right. Yeah. The point where he where, when he yeah, with leaves, all the bones and skulls and he cuts his head in half. The second right. half of the fight. Yeah, yeah. And then he leaves his. They kind of had the nod to the friendship where Johnny Cage leaves his uh, autograph photograph on Scorpion's burning body at the end of it. Yeah. There's there's some nods to it back then, but I think in the infancy of video game movies and the uh, infancy of video games back then, they just they wanted to do the movie, but they didn't know. They didn't know how to effectively translate a video game to movies at that time. Well, and the debate about the violence in Mortal Kombat was still pretty fresh at this point. We're talking only a couple of years past Mortal Monday, where like you didn't have blood in all versions of the game. Yeah, so, it was like, wasn't it like green in the uh, Super NES? It was sweat. Sweat, was, that's yeah, right. Yeah, like wet, uh, like white or clear. Mm-hmm. But there was a cheat code. Yes. Yeah, of course there was. Yeah, and that's, I think, is kind of significant of the times that this movie actually showed up with at all. You know, it, it, they could have just glossed over it, but I don't, I don't, I, I was amazed at the time. I remember being like, oh my God, they're doing a Mortal Kombat movie. What are they thinking? Mm-hmm. Now, here, here's a question. What did you guys think of Goro? 
the special effects were not great. Yeah, it suffered a lot, and the the design of it was really. I mean, I know in the game it's kind of off putting, but the way they put him together in the movie was even more so. Yeah. How his he must have had like six or eight extra ribs with as tall as he was, and had the extra set of arms in a weird place, and the the uh, effects on the face, the motor. I assume it's a like a. Motorized mouth, yeah, mm. did not match. Yeah, I thought it was a combination of animatronics and like some claymation techniques. Maybe not quite as jerky as claymation. It was pretty honestly. I for for the time it came out, I was kind of impressed with what they did with the puppet. I mean, it, it looked like a, a a big dude was just wearing a prosthetic, you know, uh, half torso on top of his shoulders, which is probably what it really was. And then they had uh, servos or whatever in the face that made it talk whenever the actor would talk. And uh, yeah. boy, his fight with uh, was it Johnny Cage? Yeah, that was yeah, awful. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the junk punch, short, short and sweet. And just a really, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's kind of hard, I guess, to right away to kill a creature like that. But I mean, you know, throwing him off a ledge. I don't know. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Well, they eventually figured it out. Spoilers. Like, well, we'll be revisiting that concept for the second one. All in all, I had a good time with this. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. if at the time I thought it was shit, I would not have uh, seen it so many times. It's fun. Mm. And, like, at the time it was daring. I think that yeah. was a- another component for it. I agree. Favor. Considering all the controversy over the Mortal Kombat thing and the, you know, the violence in video games and everything that was going on at the time to make a movie that 100% ran off of one of the one of the games was pretty baller. Um and they did a good job of of matching the the look and the feel of the game. Mhm. I mean, they overused the theme song a little bit, but uh I don't know. I hold your tongue. Yeah. Shut they, up. Now we have to wrong. fight. Mortal Kombat! I mean, I don't remember thinking, I don't remember what I thought about it when I first saw it. Uh, and I was surprised how much I remembered about the characters, because I don't remember playing the game very much either, um, to be honest. but We didn't uh, play very much. Like I, I played a little in the arcade, and I owned it, like day one, but we were always Street Fighter people. Yeah, yeah. Street Fighter and Tekken seem to be our main thing. I mean, I... I remember more about seeing Katana on stage than I do uh, the movie from that time. Hmm. Had to throw that out there somewhere. Seeing Katana on stage? Yes. You're just going to leave that like that? I've, I'm just going to say he's talking about my bachelor party. That was Jay's. Jay's? God damn, I must have had a good party then. <laughs> <laughs> At the Admiral. I guess I wasn't there for that. No, you were there. Was I? You were. Yeah, I think I think you and you came with a friend, and you had to leave immediately after. You didn't stay with don't, us for the rest of the night. Don't you remember the sheep? Vaguely, or, like or, I remember. Or it may it may have been you. Came, you only came to dinner, and then you couldn't come with us for the rest of the night. I remember you had to leave. You had to duck out early, one way or the other. I don't know. I don't remember any of it. So. Yeah, we we had the limo and stopped at the yeah. place in Boys Town and bought the inflatable sheep that he had to carry with him the whole night. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I definitely didn't ride in a limo. No, you don't. You don't remember the "Where did the carrot come from?" conversation? No. Oh, okay. Well, all right, Mortal Kombat then. <laughs> no, it's it's big old cheesy fun. You know, for what they 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 did the best they could do with what they the what they had and what people would allow. There's no way that they would have gotten away with making an R-rated Mortal Kombat movie back then. No, definitely not. No studio would have greenlit it. No, because they they would have thought that they wouldn't make their money back. 
they probably were wrong, but that's well. I don't know if they would be. I think I think that the the video game and movie industry and their combo really was not at the point where e- even us as viewers would be like, oh yeah, it's a video game movie. We totally need to go see this. I mean, look at what came out around that time: Mario Brothers. Yay! I mean, I went to go see it. That's not an indication of quality. Oh yeah, I did go to see that. So when you're just talking about profits, like we weren't at the point where our uh, like expectations that geek properties were going to be any good was there yet. Yeah, I think at that point we pretty much felt like if they're doing an adaptation of something we love, it's probably not going to be very good. Yeah, but we want to see it anyway <laughs> just for the representation of the stuff we like. Mm-hmm. Right. And the hopes because, that because we knew if we didn't be. go see it, we wouldn't be at this point now where it's all acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it was 100%. Why are you going to go see it? Because if I don't go see it, they won't try to make more. And sometimes you get things like like The Crow, you know, where you get a comic book adaptation that all but the last 10 minutes is actually pretty solid and a lot of fun and cool to look at. And sometimes we disagree on movies like The Crow is bad. And sometimes you get (laughs) Super Mario Brothers and you wish you didn't. Yeah, I will say that The Crow is a better adaptation than Super Mario Brothers was. I know that's not a high bar to cross. I will will actually agree with that. (laughs) I mean, neither of them are Double Dragon. I mean, yeah, dude. Come on, Scott Wolf. You know, it's a big name star. That's who you want in your Double Dragon movie. Sorry. All right. So, uh, yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that happened. That was a thing. It was a lot of fun back then. We we were doing just fine till Joel dropped a double dragon on us. I know, right? Thanks, Joel. Didn't they do? Now, why am I typing in double dragon? Didn't they do a Mortal Kombat movie video game? You mean a video game of the movie? Mm. Yeah, that's meta. Yeah, I think that's a thing. Or no, that was Street Fighter. That was Street Fighter. Street Fighter, the movie, the video game. Oh, that's right. I recall that now. Not good. No, definitely not good. Wow, that's just a bad idea. But the making of Street Fighter, the movie, the video game documentary, oh, so good. Such a good movie. You should have read the comic book adaptation of that. But the video game of that was awful. (laughs) Where you're playing the guy guy trying to get distribution? (laughs) Kind of weird rabbit hole are we going Uh, down? Yeah, I don't know what's even happening anymore. (laughs) All right, so I think think we've kind of milked Johnny Cage for this one, yeah. Finish it. So we are going to take a little break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Mortal Kombat 2021, or the studios finally realize that all those nerds have money to spend. Hey, and welcome to The Bridge. This week we have got Brental Floss uh, with the song Tecmo Bowl with lyrics. Again, remember you can find this on Geek Life Radio and the entire track at the end of the show. I would clearly come up short So Tecmo Bowl Back when I used to play I play it every day in suburbia There's nothing to do, so duh It makes life less pathetic Tecmo Bowl You get to strategize See through Montana's eyes And the best part is You'd be a Tecmo winner So it took a good chunk of time But eventually, somebody made a Mortal Kombat movie who had actually played the game. And cared about the storyline. And was invested in it. Not only had played the game, if we're going there already on Greg Russo, because I know Greg Russo, not personally, but... And you are no Greg Russo. (laughs) I 
was thinking about saying it. <laughs> uh, you literally are not, because Greg Russo uh, has an uh, Xbox gamer score of over 1.5 million. He's top 15 in the United States and top 50 in the world. Like he's, what? Yeah. He's not only a guy who kind of knows video games. He is literally world class. Hmm. Well, good on you, Greg Russo. Yeah. Courtesy to Polygon for the interview with him. But yeah, he was, he was flexing a little bit on his gamer score. He was trying to be all modest about it. And they're like, dude, this is literally, you're not going to find a better place to talk about this. Yeah. Brag about your gamer score here. So in other words, if they do any more video game adaptations, they need to tap him. Uh, he has been hired for a few and frequently <clears throat> the studios don't get it. He gets frustrated and walks away. Uh, so, he was tapped for Resident Evil. And, so, he could, uh, so he could beat me at Tekken is what you're saying? Yeah, most likely. Mm-hmm. And he could descent. probably beat me at Street Fighter. So <clears throat> going on about Greg Russo, uh, following the commercial failure that was 1997's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which included the line, Mother, you're alive. Yes, but now you shall be dead. That is three minutes into the movie, and that is exactly when I tapped out. That's three minutes you're never going to get back. It's I, bad. They it, cloud it, too many of the characters in and not enough script. Right. Let's see how many of these characters we can get in here at one time. And it was it was god-awful. So the nobody really wanted to touch Mortal Kombat for a long time. It was in development hell for probably 20 years. In 2010, Warner Brothers Pictures and New Line Cinema acquired the franchise from Midway Games and started developing a new film with uh, Kevin... How the hell do I say this name? Kevin Ten Tencharun. Tencharun. Tencharun? Tencharun? Probably not like that. Prob- no, no. <laughs> I think he's pretty close, actually. Tencharun, yeah. probably. Oh, there yeah. you go. Uh, who is known for Mortal Kombat Rebirth in 2010 uh, and Britney Spears Live from Miami. Why Lots of fatalities in that. Yeah, he's... Uh, oh, he's he's uh, Marissa uh, Tencharun's brother. Yes. So they got him serving as director from a script written by Uziel in the wake of their Mortal Kombat Rebirth short film. So eventually all this stuff happened and Simon McCoy, McCoy? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go with that. He uh, jumped into direct. Yeah, and, and there were some uh, interesting things that were already uh, attached to the script. Like the idea of Cole Young being this original character, that was inherited by Russo. Like uh, that was like dictate from the studios. Like this comes with the movie right around it. Now, so for, forgive my ignorance, but was Cole Young in the game? He was not. He's a no. brand new character just for the movie. Okay. And uh, it, it was something that, like, I, the way Russo handled it, as far as I was considered, was fine. But it was a demand from the studio. Why? Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to not spend a whole lot of time with this many characters uh, doing exposition about the world. So they wanted someone who was outside the world as a, I don't know any of this, so you have to tell me. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's reasonable. And he, I mean, he's got to admit, he was a pretty cool character. But yeah, why wouldn't you just already use a character who who is kind of there for that? It could have been a Johnny Cage. You just pull him in from Hollywood, and he's not from that world. And Johnny Cage, Johnny Cage and Kano is too much, because they're both sort of full of themselves. Mm-hmm. That was an explicit uh, decision made to not put Cage in this, just because it was like, okay, so we got two cocky assholes where one is more than enough. Yeah. So, uh, writing credits, like Josh has said, Greg Russo, Dave 
Callahan uh, was also on this, who is currently a writer on Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is a new Marvel movie coming out, which looks, I had no idea about. Looks a lot of, like a lot of fun. Uh, yep. I'm a fan of Shang-Chi, too. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, he was also part of Wonder Woman 1984. E. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, moving on, we have Oren Uziel, who uh, did part of the story, which is besides being a pretty cool name. Uh, he is also uh, part of the writing team for the Cloverfield Paradox and 22 Jump Street. So he's got some some chops behind him. Also, there's more Greg Russo. Uh, Louis Tan plays Cole Young, as we were just talking about. Uh, he is the blank slate character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best way to describe him as. Uh, you may have known him as Shatterstar in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. Didn't last very long, but... No. Left an impression. Yeah, he, definitely. He was also in Into the Badlands for a little bit. I gotta watch that. That looks really good. It's yeah. Fun. It's a show that's been on my list for a while. Yeah. All right. So we also have uh Jessica McNamee McNamee as Sonya Blade, uh known for Chips and the Meg. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Which is another almost kind of like in the same genre of cheesy over the top fun movies. Yeah, but she's typically a brunette, so uh, it took me a little bit to place her. She was also in The Loved Ones, which is kind of an overlooked Australian horror movie that didn't get the love it deserves, in my opinion. But Mm. You know, just a throwback to the previous Mortal Kombat for a brief moment, now that that I'm thinking about Sonya Blade. She was the worst cop slash special ops I've ever seen, just barreling into a techno club and beating the crap out of everybody who was in her way. Civilians just getting smacked in the head with a shotgun. (laughs) I know. They dare to stand there. Yeah. And but then on the other hand, I'm like, what kind of hardcore club is this where somebody gets a shotgun blast straight to the chest and nobody reacts? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sonia was much more competent in this one. Mm hmm. hundred percent. And we've got a one Josh Lawson as Kano, who, in my opinion, stole the show. hundred <clears throat> percent. Right there with you. Yeah. I did not recognize him from Superstore until, <laughs> until I checked his credits. I'm like, holy crap, it's the pharmacist from Superstore. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Josh Lawson and Hiroyuki Sonata, who we're going to talk about in a minute, like they are the twin pillars of this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even put that up in the chat that Kano is owning Mortal Kombat, at least for the first two thirds of the movie. His his uh, brashness and just he barreled over everybody going on in this. So also we have Joel Tassim as Bihan and Sub-Zero. Uh, you may know him as uh, Jaka from the Raid Redemption. Yeah. I think he is also in uh, <clears throat> Warrior. Is he? Yeah, he's Lee uh, Young. Yeah, he's a pretty <clears throat> significant character in Warrior. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen the Raid movies, holy fuck. Some of the best action in a film in the last decade or more. Uh, and yeah. holy shit. Just, I've heard they're really good. They're so, the first one's fucking amazing. The second one's a little over the top. Like it's a little too long. Uh, mm-hmm. but the first one uh, would probably make Patrick sick if you watch. Oh, lot, well, that's lot, fun. Lots and lots of shaky cam. All right. So moving on, we've got, uh, Jax being played by Mahad Brooks, uh, who you know as, uh, Eggs from True Blood and James Olsen from Supergirl. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember him vaguely as Eggs. Okay. Uh, we've also got Ma- Matilda Kimber as Emily, Laura Brent as Allison, Tadanabo Asano as Lord Raiden, 
so great casting for Raiden. Oh my god, so good casting for Raiden. Uh, you may know him as Hogan from Thor Ragnarok, and uh, he was also in Thor. He was one of Thor's... Um, com- one, uh, yeah, he was the baddest ass of the Warriors 3. <clears throat> yep. And he was also in, he was in Battleship, but we don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so moving on, Hiroko Sonata. As... Hiroyuki Sonata is the man as Scorpion. Yes, he is. Uh, well, this dude has credits long. He's like the uh, Asian Christopher Lee, or at least will be once he's 80. It's yeah. funny. I just watched him in the ring over the weekend and I was like, hey, <laughs> that's a nice tie-in. Well, Ringo, yeah. I should say. Yeah, and he's known for, he was Shingen in The Wolverine. Uh, he was in the movie Sunshine, who if you haven't seen it, is actually a lot better than people say it is. Oh my God, it's so good. Great movie. He's a badass minor character in Lost. Yep, uh, Dojin. Yeah, Musashi uh, from season two on for Westworld. Yep, yep. And uh, uh, Mr. Musha in Speed Racer. And he's also the uh, Yakuza boss that uh, Hawkeye kills as Ronin in uh, Endgame. Oh, oh, that's shit. right. Forgot about that. Uh, Chin Han as Shang Tsung on this one, which uh, you may know him from uh, The Dark Knight and a yeah. movie that we previously did, uh, Contagion. Mm. Yep. Yeah, when I saw him, I'm like, hey, <laughs> there's that guy. Batman kicked his ass. <laughs> we also have uh, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang, Max Hong as Kung Lao, and Cece Stringer as Melina. Yeah, and as far as I remember, I think Max Huang is basically a stuntman. Uh, he's had a few. This this is going to be uh, one of his very few credits as an actor. Yep. In fact, well, for this, I'm actually going to jump to Max Huang's uh, trivia. Is He is a member, or used to be a member, of the Jackie Chan stunt team. And during the filming of the movie, he would pitch ideas to make Mortal Kombat's fight choreography even better. And he used this background to retrain himself when adopting Liu Kang's martial style, which is very different than the one that he is trained with. Uh, I, I also wanted to mention, speaking of stuntman, uh, Cabal, who I don't really know anything about. He's the guy with the gas mask, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the twin like ho- lung hooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really liked his portrayal. He he between him and Kano, it made the movie a lot more fun for me because they were kind of similar. Uh, and the guy that played him is a stuntman, so I thought that was yeah Daniel Nelson. He was uh well Daniel Nelson played the body and the voice was done by a different guy. But anyway, sorry, yeah. go ahead. But uh, I was saying the thing with Max Hong. Just uh, he was a member of the Jackie Chan stunt team. Stop. That's all you need. Um, also, Sonata, Hiroki Sonata, tried to prepare for the role as Hanzo, so he bought himself a copy of Mortal Kombat, and he played it to learn more about his character, Scorpion. Of course, he was beaten every time. He said in an interview, just losing and losing and losing. Uh, he laughed about it, he said, but I kept playing the games to learn the stories, the background, and the characters, and he had, he says he had so much fun just learning about all the different characters. That, that's fun. That's a good piece of trivia. Yeah. I mean, how many how many actors would be like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll play the game, you know, I'm just not going to go with off the off script type type stuff. But you know, he took the he took the opportunity to actually learn about the lore of Mortal Kombat, which is you know eleven uh, games deep now. Also, the Red Band trailer has clocked at the point where I copied and pasted this into 116 million views in its first week. 
becoming the biggest red band trailer of all time, besting the four day mark of Logan from 2017 and Deadpool two from 2018. Hmm. Well, there's some power behind mortal Kombat then I'm at least 10 of those. <laughs> um, the filmmaker shot an outward location and fight at a place called Black Hill Quarry, which was in the town of Black Hill outside of Adelaide in uh, Australia. Simon Quiet observed, no one wants to go and shoot at the bottom of the disused coal mine. But when you go down there with these beautiful ultra vista lenses that they were shooting with and you have these incredible actors in their costumes and you put them in, in this implausible location and all of a sudden it becomes another world. So they shot this like whole scene in the, you know, in, in a coal mine, which I think is pretty awesome. And of no surprise, this film was initially rated NC-17. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. For guess what? Graphic violence. Eventually, Simon uh, hired an additional <laughs> editor to cut down several gory and brutal fighting scenes to achieve a commercially desired R rating. And I am going to be waiting with bated breath for the NC-17 version of this movie. I am all about it. Like, uh, oh. I don't know. They get some real serious uh, kung fu movie chops just from the beginning by hiring Hiroyuki Sonata. Like, I know you guys have seen him in a bunch of stuff. But I'm a fan of this dude. He is a protege of Sonny Chiba himself. He's, he's been acting since he was five. Nice. Uh, and his first movie was with <laughs> Sonny Chiba. I like Sonny Chiba. I mean, he's no Shogasugi, but, you know, he's right there, right right in line. Uh, you know, I, I was wondering how the fatalities were going to play out in this. I knew that they were ratcheting it up a bit from the original. <laughs> but once I saw the, the scene with uh, Liu Kang and his hat, Kung Lao, dude. Or Kung Lao, sorry. Kung Lao, Kung Lao With Kung, Kung Lao and his hat. And I was like, uh, holy shit. This is horror movie level, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, one of the fatalities that's taken straight from the games. Just about all of them were taken straight from the games. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, cut your in half is straight from the game? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is a fatality where he takes his hat and he cuts somebody in half. Yeah, spinning it like a saw blade. I mean, it's a lot less gory when you're talking side side perspective. Because we yeah. got a top-down, right-in-the-mix viewpoint mm-hmm. of fatality. Yeah. And I was actually watching this with Katie, which I don't, again, I don't understand why she suddenly got this. She's 100% about, like, Mortal Kombat. She asked for uh, Doom for her birthday, and she's playing it. She's pretty damn good at it, too, which is cool. <laughs> But, uh... It was like when when that happened, both of us were like, this dude played these games. He gets it. He understands what Mortal Kombat is supposed to be. It's supposed to be over-the-top blood. It's supposed to be um, almost cartoonish violence. Mm-hmm. It takes itself seriously enough, but especially with Kano as comic, comic relief. And I was relieved that they started with Kano as a, with the heroes, even as an anti-hero kind of prisoner, but helping them out and eventually had his villain turn. So you mm-hmm. could have the classic uh, Sonya Blade versus Kano <laughs> grudge match. Um, yeah, his presence lightens it up and allows them to actually play the rest of the material straight. Yeah. And little things that I enjoyed about this is... The nods to the game, like when Kano is fighting Liu Kang and he does the leg sweep and he does the leg sweep again. And Kano's like, do you not know another move? Which is something I have shouted out while playing probably <laughs> one of you guys in this game. Most likely and me or Jay. Probably you or Jay. But the other cool thing that my actually my brother pointed out to me is Kano got Kano's jump perfectly. 
it was like they kind of like kind of jump in the air. It wasn't graceful at all. It was just this jump from from Kano. And I think they're that and like the um the Nighthawk picture of uh in, in um Sonya Blades uh trailer and all that. I think there are so many nods to the game that it was almost like a love letter to the fans. Like almost uh, at the end of this movie, when there was a hundred percent, we want to do another one. I was like, I trust this guy. Mm-hmm. Except we didn't get the ending where the four main characters are standing and they look up and they see the emperor or whatever, and they all take a fighting stance and the movie ends. Thankfully. Well, Outworld wants to be its own thing. And I think that was a smart choice considering they knew they had to do fatalities. So they're going to have to kill off many of the villains and they end up having to sacrifice one of the heroes. That's fine. But uh, yeah, there, there were all sorts of fun little Easter eggs. Um, I, I do have one fairly serious uh, issue with it. And that is that near the end, when you expect this to turn into a tournament, it's a bunch of sort of disjointed one-on-one grudge matches that don't feel very tournament-ish. And I know they threw a couple lines in there to explain that in the script, but it didn't hit quite right for me. Mm-hmm. But like always forgiven once we get to the end three-way fight with uh, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and our main, hey, I'm a dude. <laughs> I liked him. I like Cole. Uh, Cole's fine, but like I don't have any emotional connection to Cole. Right. I think he should be called Half Mummy. <clears throat> His half power mummy. was visually interesting. Yeah, with yeah, like... Yeah, but I mean, it just, he just looked like the top half of a mummy. Like... Oh, yeah, that's true. He had Made like a metal. bronze version of the wraps <laughs> that he had around his fists. Mm-hmm. That sometimes <laughs> absorbed hits and returned the energy, but sometimes didn't. Well, I felt like uh, because they didn't get to the tournament, because they did the individual fights, uh, you know, when Raiden sent them to the different people, that the second movie, if they have one, which it looks like at this point, they probably will, uh, would go to that part because they're going to have to do it at some point. So it's either the second or the third movie is when they'll get to that is my assumption. And I think that uh, they were smart to include the characters that they did so far. Like, you can sacrifice Goro, which was a solid fight and an awesome kill. Yes, it was. Although, how are you going to explain that to the cops? (laughs) She's going to be long gone by the time that comes around, so. And it was smart to have Reptile in his true form, not just a green-colored scorpion Mm sub-zero like he is in the games. Oh, is that who the woman was? No, no, no. At the very beginning, the invisible uh, lizard guy who's... Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, in the games, uh, that's what his true form is. <laughs> but, like, you only ever see him as basically a palette swap from... Uh, he was a hidden character in Mortal Kombat 1, I think. Like, well, I thought you and... only saw him if, if it was a fatality, one of the fatalities or something. Otherwise, well, him and Smoke. Like scorpion guy. Well, Smoke was... Uh, Smoke and uh, Noob Saibot were in MK2, <clears throat> I believe that they were actually added without the knowledge of most of the dev team, uh, which is actually why their animations aren't so good in Mortal Kombat 2. I could be mixing up. It could be like Reptile was in 2 and Noob Saibot was in 3, but they were both very early and they were both added by one guy. And he, yeah, he just hacked them into the game because Noob Saibot is uh, Tobias uh, Boone, the, the last names of the creators backwards. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just that same model for Reptile and Smoke and Scorpion and Sub-Zero, but with all the color dropped out, so he's straight black. Did I ever tell you guys that I met Ed Boone? No. Strangely enough, when I was working at uh, Starbucks 
in Bartlett. Dude comes in. Apparently, he was the uncle of one of the people that worked at the store and just came in to say hi to his niece. And it was one of those where, like, he walked up to the counter and was like, hey, you know, could I just get this, that, and the other? And she came over. She's like, oh, it's my uncle. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it's on me this time, this, that, and the other. And I was like, man, in, in my head at least, I'm like, your eyebrows are incredibly familiar. <laughs> and, That's you know, he, he, well, no, I mean, if you see his eyebrows, they're like Sharpie level eyebrows. But, uh, yeah, talk to him for a little while. He's a very cool guy. You know, I mean, he has literally nothing to worry about for the rest of his life because he created Mortal Kombat. But yeah, he showed up in, uh, showed up at Starbucks once, talked to him for two minutes, and that was it. There you go. End of story. Ta da. I just looked him up. He looks kind of like Pete Sampras. Well, the eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, and he's continued on with the uh, series through uh, Midway on to when WB had the uh, games for a while, and now NetherRealm, which is in Chicago. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've had to drop off. When I was a full-time Lyft driver, uh, NetherRealm guys uh, almost always took Lyft, and uh, some of them uh, I gave rides to work. So I was by that studio off and on for a while. Cool. And, of course, he does the voice of Scorpion, too, so that is another one of his things that he is known for. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's I, weird that we were, like, big Street Fighter guys, considering Mortal Kombat is kind of a Chicago thing. I know, right? Well, I think we were big Street Fighter guys because you were a big Street Fighter guy, Josh. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, I, I when it came to gaming, like, I kind of, like, was super into pushing people into one game or another. And I do, like, mechanically, I prefer Street Fighter, but it's, I don't know. I probably at the time didn't even know it was a local phenomenon. Mm. Well, I think it's good to finally see a movie that, I don't want to say pays honor to, because it's not like it's something that needs to be revered. But <laughs> it's it's a movie made by a guy who gets it. Like Jax's uh, fatality where he slaps the guy's head clean off his shoulders. You know, it they put all that in there, and it 100% is a nod to, I know this, I know this material. Well, do you guys think, like, when... Uh, Iron Man came out and there was kind of a sea change in the whole uh comic book adaptation phenomenon that's now become just like expected that comic book movies are going to be, you know, a thing. Do you think that this movie will mark a change where they're going to start digging into those properties again? And like, you know, we've got a new Resident Evil on the way. Uh, it's, it's all about the money. If this does well financially, <laughs> then yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wonder. Like, if you look at the split, like uh, critics versus fans, we're talking 56% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics, 87% for the audience, which to <clears> me <throat> is appropriate for both. And this is a natural progression all the way back from Fellowship of the Ring. That's the first time I can remember a geek property that was played straight. That's even before MCU. It's like before it was like these were things for directors to play around with and put their own spin on and were not taken seriously and didn't do very well as a result. So where we were so thirsty for like something that was even sort of accurate that we were lapping up shit like the original X-Men movie. Like, you compare that to stuff in the MCU, Mortal Kombat, like, for authenticity, it's not very good. But, like, ever since you get the Lord of the Rings trilogy, there's this expectation where if you actually at least pay homage to the spiritual reality of whatever you're adapting, the fans will love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like, I thought that the Tomb Raider reboot was 
uh, was decent. I enjoyed it. And I know, uh, The Last of Us is, is in production now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seems to have been a pretty big success so far. So I just wonder if that's going to be the next thing that they're really starting to mine <clears throat> I hope heavily. so. Cause you still got stuff like, even though I've heard it was not as bad as it looked, you've still got them jamming Marines into Monster Hunter. Uh, for anyone who's played Monster Hunter, there are no fucking Marines or machine guns. <laughs> there are no rocket launchers, which somebody write down Tomb Raider as a potential show. I think it's on the list somewhere. Well, and then uh, we were talking about another one uh, pre-show. Uh, Borderlands is coming. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We might see more of our games. I don't know if they're going to ever try and do Street Fighter again, but if well, you get the right people... The thing, the thing that really, I don't want, I don't want to totally derail us on the conversation, but like you brought up Borderlands, as myself, Pat knows, I'm a huge Borderlands fan. Yep. And I, for them to make a Borderlands movie and not include a character as Handsome Jack, which is probably one of the best villains ever in video games, is really concerning to me about how they're taking the direction of the movie. Yeah, especially considering that they're chopping up these two characters from Borderlands 1, these two from 2, mm-hmm. and like this, these random NPCs, we're going to make these six people a team. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll see, because uh, like I said, I'm going to wait for the reviews on every video game movie that comes out, especially Borderlands. Uh, and like, I'll probably eventually see them even if they're shit, but like, I'm done with my experience going to see Super Mario Brothers in the theater and being super disappointed on the way out. That's not happening to me again. Well, I feel like they got, they got this one right. I mean, uh, is it something I'm going to watch again? Uh, I don't know, but compared to the original, I think they, they got, they got this one a lot closer and it was much more enjoyable in my opinion, uh, oh. as a, as a film for sure. Wait, wait, you mean, okay. I, I'm confused. Cause I've actually watched this new moral combat movie three times already. Wow. Well, and I think like the first and last fight scenes are legitimately great. Like yeah. it's a video game fan spectacle, the entire middle with some funny one liners from Kano. But like, I, I would put up the first and last uh, fights in this against almost any other modern Kung Fu movie. Yeah, the first seven minutes, I mean, they, they released the first seven minutes a week before they actually released the movie, and I was sold. After just watching how they created the conflict between, you know, who would become Scorpion and who would become Sub-Zero. And it's, it, sold, it, it, it sold itself just as, as its own story, too. I mean, it could have just been a standalone little short film, and it mm-hmm. would have been perfect, you know, beginning to end. I, I'm glad to hear you throwing in on this, Pat, because this is about the time for the mid-episode <laughs> turn, where if you didn't like it, this is where you would shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was well done. The choreography was awesome. Um, it was beautiful, well acted. Uh, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Did um actually this is specifically aimed at Josh. Did uh you notice uh Liu Kang talking about uh being trained by Bo Rai Cho? I did. Yeah. So many. Bo Rai Cho, as we were talking over over the break, is the drunken master that one of his fatalities is vomiting on you and dissolving you. Mm-hmm. The yeah. The brumble yeah. fly, as it's called. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
There was also a uh, throwaway line that. near the beginning about the fight. Uh, Jax says to Cole uh, about a guy he fought for the title. And it's another like anagram of uh, Tobias Boone again. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the oh. name was. Uh, hang on. I had it written down on my notes. Tobias Tune. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that that nailed it. Have stood out at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's, it's, it's those little Easter eggs and the fact that they're using names from the lore in, in, and actually including them in some sort of like logical sequence in there. I mean, it's, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sad that, that the bar is set so low that that's something that has to be lauded. Like, why is that not something that they were doing from the beginning? It's not that difficult to mm-hmm. learn your subject material if you're going to write a movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> If genre pictures, like they were not taken seriously, like even generic sci-fi, generic fantasy. Eddie like, Tobias. That's it. Yeah, Eddie Tobias. Uh, they were considered popcorn stuff, trash films. So I don't know. I guess they thought the, like these are things for kids and they don't know any better. Kind of the uh, Uva Bowl approach. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought it was kind of fun at the end when they showed the the bottom half of the poster of was it Johnny Cage? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you don't see his face because they haven't cast the actor yet. But if they do make a sequel, which looks likely, we'll get to figure out who's going to play that role. Right. And okay, just uh, going so much into the Easter egg and going in so much to the nods to the game directly at Josh again. Did you notice during the fight between Sub Zero and Jax? The graffiti on the wall. Graffiti? No, I I, I was paying close attention uh, attention to the uh, uh, frescoes and uh, murals because you catch Shao Kahn and you catch uh, Kung Lao. No, no, the... no, this is this is when um, Jax and uh, him are fighting in the uh, in like the warehouse in the very beginning. Before he loses his arms? Right, no. yeah, this is the scene when he loses oh, his arms. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there was something interesting, but I didn't Ruh. take a note on it. Yep, there's an arrow down, there's an arrow forward, and LP, down forward light punch, which is Sub-Zero's ice ball move. Nice. It's just, that's just, I mean, it just tickles my fancy. I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> it's like, yeah, so cool. You got I mean, so excited. It, it, I had so much fun with this movie. Yeah. yeah, there was a book where there was a picture of Nightwolf in it. Yep, Nightwolf was in there, and they fought in the pit. You know that bridge over the over the hole. I mean, there's there's so much going. The murals that are going on on the side, and then you've got uh, Kitana's fan sitting in the background. You know, it's I'm really hoping that they have a sequel to this because I think the amount of chatter that this is getting on social media and the amount of positive reviews that this is getting is that a second uh, Mortal Kombat movie was going to be good. Yeah, I, I, I was a little concerned when I first saw Melina because uh, she did not have the scarf over her lower face. And I, I thought that they were like uh, underplaying the horror that is under uh, there. And then she unhinged her jaw for the big CGI. I was like, OK, we're fine now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like she had just been eating a lot of chocolate up until that point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she was. You never know. Finish but- it. But yeah, so uh, I think we've reached a point we can do thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Get over here. You mean the world to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I want I want to start with the probably least video game-ish person out of all of us, and that would be Joel. Hi. Hi. Thumbs uh, up, thumbs down. So for the first one, I think I've made it pretty clear that I'm a, I'm a thumbs down. Uh, but for Ooh. the new one, I definitely uh, give it a thumbs up for sure. Okay. Moving moving up in video game arena, that would be Pat. Um, I would go thumbs up on both. They neither one of them was was bad. The, first, the second one was outright good, and the first I mean the first one for what it was, you know, I mean it's it's just made to be an action movie, and like Josh said, it may not be one of the best movies out there, but for a video game adaptation, it's probably in the top ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, myself, thumbs up, thumbs up. Loved them both. Yeah, and I think I've made it clear since I've been gushing. Like, I've been trying to be even-handed with a few criticisms here and there, because the original <clears throat> is cheesy as fuck, but I love it anyway. And the there are, like, a few things I could have done differently with this new one, but I'm super happy with it, and I really hope we get to see more. Same here. Yeah, I think it will definitely be up. a sequel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Dude, let's get the guys that do Love Lovecraft Country to pair up with these guys and do a Mortal Kombat TV show. I'd be totally down with that. I, you know, that would be an interesting way to do that. I, I'm not sure that TV show plus fatality is something that uh, networks, <laughs> even cable, are going to be comfortable with. I mean, it it worked for Game of Thrones. I was yeah. going to say, it would have to be a, a, a cable show, if anything. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Joel. Yo. Wh- what do we have coming up, man? Uh, well, we're going to be talking some Ultraman. Uh, we're going to be visit- revisiting Sherlock Holmes. As we talk about the Baker Street Boys versus the Irregulars. Pirates! Everybody loves them. And uh, we're going to be talking about conventions. Nice. So, yeah, so that's some uh, shows that we have coming up in the uh, near future. Uh, be sure to keep an eye out for those and subscribe to us on uh, whatever podcast app or doohickey that you use. Yeah, and if uh, you have your thoughts about your favorite Mortal Kombat character that maybe we didn't talk about or there was an aspect of the film you think we glossed over in our, like, hurry to talk about something else, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, also, if you'd like to support us, you can go to our Kofi site. That is K-O-F-I. Uh, look for 40 going on 14. You can also find that uh, link on our uh, all of our show notes and on our 40go14.com page. It's uh, just a way to help keep uh, server costs at bay in uh, any sort of like situation where someone's microphone explodes or whatever Joel explodes. I mean, you know how much it costs to replace a Joel? See? Oh, Just like that. Joel clones are not cheap. No. The explosion's getting work, though. Yes. So, uh, yeah, all that. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Are you? I haven't noticed. I'm less gassy. What happened? It all went to Pat. Apparently. Ooh, I wonder if Joel, we need to focus our energies to pass all of our gas to Patrick. (laughs) Pass it to Patrick? Yes. So we have no gas and he has all of our gas. He's going to explode. Yeah, why don't we why don't we send all of ours to Josh and see if we can get him to ultra bulge? (laughs) That'd be a Macy's parade float. (laughs) (laughs) I got enough gas, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, okay. he'd, he'd swell up like Violet Beauregard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're Violet, Violet. <laughs>
Uh-oh. What? Nico, I've known you a long time, man. I can tell when you're about to bro me up. What are you talking about? I'm not going to bro Don't you. Don't lie. You're about to go brolistic. Come on, man. Here it comes. Bro and tell. I'm just saying. All right, fine. Bro. <sighs> yeah, what? How come you never added lyrics to Tecmo Bowl? What? I never played it. What? How is that possible? I don't really play sports games, man. Look, hey, hey what, what do you need with a guitar right now? What, what, what are you doing? What if Tecmo Bowl had lyrics? Not interested. Look, that's enough broing for one day. Oh, all right. But bro, Tecmo Bowl, number one game of all, and that's an easy call. It's the sports game played back when they first were made. It paved the way for Madden. Tecmo Bowl, pop it on your TV. One game and you will see why for everyone, Tecmo is super fun. Come on, Brent, throw your hat in. Dude, I'm kind of bad at sports, not I would clearly come up short, so Tech Bowl, back when I used to play, I play it every day in suburbia, there's nothing to do, so duh, it makes life less pathetic, Tech Bowl, you get to strategize, see through Montana's eyes, and the best part is, you'd be a Tech Whiz, you don't have to be athletic at all. To RPGs and shooters Come on, do just one try That's mine Come on, don't be that guy All right, fine All right, pick the team you want to be I don't want 49ers, naturally I don't want Getting started isn't Shakespeare or Chekhov You simply wait for the kickoff And then you'll see Now my thoughts flash back to every time I got sacked Every <clears throat> asthma attack in my P.E. class I only caught one pass Then ran to my own end zone Felt so lame Weak was my middle name It was my secret shame Can I undo that? All with one stupid game no time to think, here I go. Well, it's a beautiful day here at Tecmo Field. And, uh, oh, my goodness, it's the very first play. Breno Plus is running with, uh, oh, my, he, he's at the 50, the 60. He may take it all the way, people. He may do it. He did it. Well, well paint me pink and call me Kirby. Touchdown, San Francisco. Amazing button mashing by Mr. Plus. told you you would kick ass even though you sucked at gym class i just mashed 